Our gospel lesson this morning is going to come from Matthew, from Matthew chapter 22. We'll be reading Matthew 22, verses 34 through 40. Matthew 22, 34 through 40. And I invite you to stand as you're able in body or in spirit for the reading of our gospel lesson. When the Pharisees heard that he had silenced the Sadducees, they gathered together. And one of them, a lawyer, asked him a question to test him. Teacher, which commandment of the law is greatest? He said to them, you shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the greatest in the first commandment. The second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. Today is the first Sunday after Pentecost. Last Sunday was Pentecost. That's why you see the red and the red everywhere. It's Pentecost season. We're going to be in Pentecost season for a long time. This is the season of the church life till we get to Advent. And the first Sunday following Pentecost is a Sunday that's called, it's called Trinity Sunday. It's a Sunday that is historically devoted to talking about the Trinity, uh, one of the key foundational doctrines of our church. And so, and, and we're starting a new sermon series, and these two things work really well together. The Trinity is a hugely important doctrine that I was talking in Sunday school about this morning. The two historic guardrails for what we call orthodox Christianity or correct Christianity, if you will, have always been the Trinity and the divinity, the life and divinity of Jesus Christ. Those are really the two essential guardrails of our faith are the Trinity and Jesus. Now, I'm not going to sit here and try to explain the whole Trinity to you today because it's complicated. It is. There's a lot to unpack about it. Uh, we're going to talk about it today, but I'm not going to. There's a story told about a preacher. It was her first, it was her first Sunday where she was going to preach on the Trinity. And she'd been in this church not long. She, was gonna, she knew she was going to nail it. So she spent all week, all week researching, getting all of her notes she was ready. She, she knew. She, was, she knew she nailed it. Like, she worked so hard, she nailed it. So she, uh, she was sitting in the back of the church after the sermon. You know, we preachers do this down the back. You know, not really looking for compliments, but we'll take a compliment. Someone comes up to her and says, preacher, I want you to know, this sermon, it really helped me. It really helped me a lot on the Trinity. She said, oh, that's wonderful. Would you mind explaining to me? They're telling me. What it is in my sermon today that really helped you with the Trinity more? And the lady said, well, preacher, she said, I used to always feel bad that I never understood the Trinity. And now after your sermon today, I understand that you don't either. <laughs> so there's a lot about the Trinity. If you look at our creeds, they're really broken down in a Trinitarian form. I believe in God the Father. I believe in Jesus Christ. I believe in the Holy Spirit. The Trinity is the through line for all that. But I don't want to go into there too far other than to say that God's very nature, God's very identity, God's very substance is that of Trinity. God the Father, God the Son, God the Spirit. And I like how the Athanasian Creed explains it. I like how the Nicene, boom. I never say it right and Alan always fusses at me. Filling the role of Tim today is Alan. So, um, so uh, the Nicene does a beautiful job of explaining how Jesus, how the Father and the Son, the Spirit are the same substance. They're distinct beings, but of the same nature. And it really explains it so well. But here's what I want you to understand ultimately about the Trinity. This is, this is your key takeaway for the Trinity. The Trinity at its core, 
is about relationship. It's about the relationship that the Father has for the Son, has for the Spirit, has for the Father. That's why you'll often see the Trinity displayed as a triangle. Like you've probably seen triangles in churches for the Trinity. The relationship and the love the Father has for the Son, the Son has for the Spirit, the Spirit has for the Father. The Trinity at its core is that relational experience in truth. And I say that to you for this reason. When you go to Genesis, Genesis 1, the Bible says this in the creation story. God says, let us make them in our image. In other words, when God created humanity, he said, I'm going to make humans in my image. Well, God is Trinity. God is three in one. God is triune. The Trinity at its deepest core level is about relationship. So we are made in the image of a God who in his very being and essence is a relationship. So in other words, we as humans... We are made for relationship. In the core of who we are as human beings, we are relational creatures. We are made for a relationship. Now, let's, let's talk about that for a second. We, we don't always understand what that means because we mistake interaction for relationship. All of us are relational beings, but we often do the extrovert, introvert type thing about relationships. Okay, don't know if y'all know this. This is going to be a surprise. You're not going to see this coming. I'm an extrovert. Who knew? Who knew? I know you think about, think to yourself, you see Andy. Golly, Andy's so quiet. I wish he expressed himself more. No, of course I'm an extrovert. Like, when you do the personality test, Myers-Briggs, I was 20 nothing on extrovert. Like, I'm the platonic ideal of an extrovert. I love people. I love being around people. I love church. The reason why I get so excited when I preach is because I've been around y'all, all y'all for hours, and that makes me happy to see people. I'm a golden retriever. I like people, okay? You know, it just makes me happy. If I had a tail, I'd be wagging, you know. I'm an extrovert. That means that I get my energy from people. I mean, that's, I'm energized by being around people. There's nothing I love more than shaking hands and kissing babies. I just love it. That's where my energy comes from. Introverts, so if you're an introvert, hope this resonates with you. We often think introverts are shy or they don't like people. No, 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 no. Introvert, extroverts where you get your energy from. While being around a lot of people energizes me. Our extrovert friends, it drains them. But hear me, it doesn't mean that introverts don't love relationships. In fact, I would reckon, comparing an extrovert like me that has a lot of friends, but only a few really deep friends, if you will, the introverts in my life have four to five deep, lifelong friendships that define them. So don't you see? That everyone, everyone, everyone is made for relationships. It may look different. It may feel different. It may energize us differently. But all of us today, all of us because we're made in the image of the triune God, desire and crave that relationship. Isn't that what we're told in Scripture today? 
Dana did such a great job of explaining how the, the Jews had so many laws. That's what's happening today. If, if you look in Scripture, during the exile, if you remember your biblical history, the Jews were defeated by Babylon, and the Jews went, the Jews went into exile. During the exile period, the Pharisees or the religious leaders rose up and they said, okay, guys, last time we were back home, we didn't, we didn't follow the law and we got punished for it. So if we ever get back home, we're following the law. So the Pharisees created all those laws Dana talked about. The Bible says you shall keep the Sabbath. That's the Old Testament law. What's that mean? The Pharisee says that means, okay, if you have false teeth, you can only take so many steps because false teeth are an unnatural weight. And if you carry your false teeth in your mouth, then you're carrying an unnatural weight and you're working. So you can only take 50 steps a day on Sabbath day with your false teeth in your mouth. Like that's an example of a law that would be created. It was defining the gray, if you will, of how to keep the law. So if you look at Jesus, do you see how often in Scripture Jesus breaks a law? And they lose their minds? Well, the reason they're losing their minds is because the last time the Jews broke the law, they got punished. But if you look, Jesus is not breaking God's law. He's breaking their man-made law, which isn't God's law. Jesus never broke the Old Testament law. He just broke the Pharisee law, which was not a law to begin with. So today they're trying to trick him. They're not asking him a question for knowledge. They're not saying, hey, we want to grow. They're like, we're going to trip him up. We've got five bazillion laws. Let's ask him which one's most important. And what does Jesus do? He quotes the Old Testament law to them. He quotes the Shema out of Deuteronomy. You're to love the Lord your God with all of your heart, your soul, and your mind. And then you need to love your neighbors yourself. So what does Jesus do? He quotes the Old Testament law back to them and says the most important law is to love God and love neighbor. And I like how I think it's the NIV says this. It says, on this hinges the law and the prophets. And I've always loved that expression. Because think about a door hinge. What happens if you take a door hinge off a door? It falls over. There's nothing to support it. If you take love of God and love of neighbor out of the law, then the law can't stand. See, I love this concept of love of God and love of neighbor because here's what it is. You can take, you can take all the Old Testament law, all the Old Testament law, and distill it down. Distill it down to its core teachings. You know what you're going to find if you distill the Old Testament law down to its core teachings? The Ten Commandments. The Ten Commandments would be the distillation of all the Old Testament law. But then, let's distill that down further. What do you get when you distill the Ten Commandments down? Love of God and love of neighbor. Because if you love God, you're going to worship him. If you love God, you're not going to have idols. If you love God, you're going to keep his name holy, right? Love of God. By the way, if you love your neighbor, you're not going to murder your neighbor. If you love your neighbor, you're not going to bear false witness against your neighbor. So all the law can be distilled down to the Ten Commandments. The Ten Commandments can be distilled down to love of God and love of neighbor. By the way, it works the other way. So how do I fully love God and love neighbor? Ten Commandments are a great place to start, you know? And you can build back up. But when you get down to it, the heart, the heart 
of that law is love of God and love of neighbor. It's about those relationships in our life. It's about those relationships that define us and that make us who we are. So today, we're starting a new series during the summer calling Relationship Roadmaps. We're going to, over the next few weeks in the summer, take a look at some of these key relationships in our life. Some of these key relationships in our life and see what God's word has to say about it. One of my favorite little sections of the Bible. I love that little section of Paul's after Corinthians, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians. God's Electric Power Company. That's how I can remember that. That's an acronym. Stay with you forever. God's Electric Power Company. I love that little section of Paul's. And I love there's a section at the end of Ephesians where Paul really gives us some good roadmaps, some good roadmaps for these key relationships in our life. Husbands and wives, parents, children, coworkers, friends. Paul, in the end of Ephesians, does a wonderful job of laying out for us what are some healthy guidelines, some healthy rules, and some healthy things for us to understand how to be a better father or to be a better husband or a better wife or a better mother or a better friend or a better boss or a better employee. Paul gives us some really keen insight and wisdom because, y'all, these relationships matter. These relationships matter. And I think quite often in our lives, these are the things where things can get off kilter. Because the way it works is this. We're called to love God and love neighbor. But you know what happens when my walk with my neighbor is off? My walk with God's probably going to be off too. You know what happens when my walk with God is off? My walk with my neighbor is going to be off as well. These two, th- two things blend together. So when I'm following God well, when I'm being obedient, when I'm living out his grace, then I'm going to be a better father and a better friend, a better pastor. And likewise, when I'm loving you more, when I'm loving my wife or my children or my parents more, then I'm going to love God more. And likewise, y'all, sometimes these things are hard. I tell young couples when I do premarital counseling with them, there's no relationship in my life outside of my Savior that matters more than my walk with my, my relationship with my wife. Nothing. I love Holly with every fiber of my being. But being married is hard, y'all. It is. Living out Ephesians is hard. It's hard to be a good father. It's hard to be a good son. It's hard to be a good pastor or boss. It's hard to be a good employee. I fail at these things every day. But these relationships define us. And they make us. And they grow us. And when we love God with all that we are, And when we love our neighbor with all that we are, then we're truly keeping the law that Christ tells us here.
You know, uh, one of my favorite new apps, it's not a new app, it's an old app. I, I forgot I liked it till, uh, till recently. Uh, remember, any of y'all know Waze, that road app? I like it because it tells me what's coming. We went to Birmingham recently, and Waze was like, there's a wrecked car on the side of the road two miles ahead. You know, like, oh, cool, I can look hard. Let's see, make sure I don't hit it, you know? Like, I like that. I like to know where I'm going. I like a map. I'm the son of a truck driver. I like maps. Ephesians chapter 5 and chapter 6, which is what we're going to study for the rest of the summer, is a roadmap. It's a roadmap. That doesn't just tell you, hey, be a good husband. It's like, here's some helpful tools to be a good husband. It doesn't say, hey, be a good parent. Well, here's some helpful tools to be a good parent. Ephesians 5 and 6 are a great roadmap that we're going to study, that we're going to walk through, and that we're going to live into to help us be better husbands and fathers and mothers and wives and parents and children. But the relationship that matters most in all of these is that relationship with Jesus. Because y'all, if I'm not walking right with Jesus, if I'm not walking right with him, I'm not going to be the husband I need to be or the father I need to be or the friend I need to be. If my walk with him is off, then my walk with you will be off. So that's the primary relationship that we're going to start with today is our walk with Jesus. That's where it starts. A few years back, I did a little retreat one weekend. And the first talk of this retreat was about priorities. I said, list your priorities. What are your priorities? So I listed mine off the top of my head. Being a good pastor, a husband, father, taking care of my parents, all these type of things. And I, I listed every priority that I had. And then it said, take one off, take one off, take one off. And then the la- so my main priority when everything was said and done was to be a good husband. Like I figured that was my most important priority, to be a good husband. If I was a good husband, I'd model it for my children. If I was a good husband, I'd model it for my church. If I did that well, then I was fulfilling my main, my main priority. And then it hit me like a ton of bricks. You know who didn't make my list of priorities? God. I kind of forgot him. I was so focused on every earthly responsibility or every earthly, or every earthly relationship or every earthly thing, I forgot that that all flows from my relationship with God. And if I don't have that one right, if that one's not right, then none of the rest are going to be right. It starts there. So the next few weeks, we're going to unpack husbands and wives and parents and children and co-workers and all these things. But today, it's got to start with Jesus. It's got to start with Jesus. It's got to start with Jesus. Because everything else flows from there. Relationships are so important, y'all. Think about it. Of all the ways the sovereign God of heaven could have chosen to save the world. He could have snapped his fingers and saved the world, couldn't he? He's God. He can do what he wants to. But how did God choose to save the world? Through a relationship. How are we saved? How are we converted? Through a relationship with Jesus Christ. That's where salvation flows from.
Not from what we do, not from where we serve. All those are good things. Coming to church, tithing, all those things are good. But they don't save you. What saves you? A relationship with Jesus. Y'all, it all comes down to relationships. Good teacher, what is the greatest commandment? To love the Lord your God with all of your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And to love your neighbor as yourself. On this hinges all the law and the prophets. But it first starts with that relationship with Jesus. Just a few moments, we're going to take communion. You're going to have a chance to come to the altar. You're going to have a chance to pray. If your relationship with God is not where it needs to be, if your relationship with Jesus is not where it needs to be, then today's the day, friends. Today's the day. Because every other relationship flows from there. This morning, How's that walk with Jesus? To use our old Wesleyan language, how is it with your soul? This morning, how is your relationship with Jesus? Because it all flows from there. May we put our faith in him above all things. Let's pray.